This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are reviewing, it could be a short episode, folks. We are reviewing the episode of ECW from December the 21st, 1995. Nate Maxim, your host here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And of course, Mr. Looking for some hot love, Chad Austin. <laughs> You're not finding it on this episode of ECW, that's for um, And we Unless will get like into guy. Unless you like a blonde guy with a collarless shirt and suspenders. Who, me? You like a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, collarless shirt and suspenders. If you do, and you oh. like to hear him, that's Shane fucking done. Fucking half an hour. Dear Lord. Oh, I thought you were describing me, except for the suspenders. I thought maybe you were looking at my, my shirt the wrong way. I'm blonde-haired with blue eyes. <laughs> but I'm just like, wait a minute. I ain't got suspenders. This, ep- this episode of the show, which we'll dig into in a bit, is definitely, and I'm sure you guys will agree with me, they were like, look, Polly, we have nothing left from our last taping. Nothing. Well, can we have Shane Douglas cut a promo for 30 minutes? You can have whatever you want, but nobody asked if anybody said, I guarantee you didn't tell them beforehand, hey, can we have Shane Douglas cut a good promo for 30 minutes? They said, no, can we have Shane cut a promo for 30 minutes? Oh, yeah, he cut a promo for 30 minutes, but about 14 and a half into it, you're going to be fucking shaking your head going, I'm sorry I made that mistake and okay, that shit. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Eddie, Ricky Steamboat. And- <laughs> like, was he foreshadowing? <laughs> he was talking about stuff was going to happen like 10 years down the road. Let me tell you something dark. It's gonna be the dark side of the ring when I get you in the ring. Whatever. <laughs> when they when they make tail up. when they make tales of the territories. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something, Brian Adias. And then he realized I never worked Brian Adias. The uh, I haven't got to watch the Portland one yet. I did watch the the Florida, the Memphis, and uh, that's another one too. Um, no, the Calgary, Dallas, which. By the way, Calgary, the Calgary one, Brett looks like his fucking dad. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks just like Stu sitting there talking to Abdullah what? the Butcher. and Looks dead? Well, no, okay. Not exactly like his father now. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, um, he, the Portland one's great, but you have to you have to be a fan of Portland. Like, I mean, you can't just go and, you can, if, you, if you went into a blind not knowing shit about Portland, you're going to be going, what the fuck? This this is garbage, because it was it was garbage. It was it was a it was garbage for a while, and then it then it got real hot for a, for a you know a ramen noodle thing got real hot for a ramen noodle, and then after that it got bad again for a long time. So you had to kind of stick with it because you know how wrestling comes in cycles and stuff. Right. Well, that the cycle for when Portland was good was very very short. Um. I haven't, it, like it, I said, it, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that episode it, yet. It, who do they, who do they have on the panel for? That? Uh, oh my God. Um, some fucking, who do you have? Jesus Christ. Now I can't even remember who it was. Rose. Um, well, it wasn't Buddy Rose. Um, wasn't Sandy Barr. Actually, I don't even remember who it was at this point. It, it, it was a bunch of fucking, it was a bunch of, I think Mike Miller may have been on it and he didn't come until later on. Um, he, yeah, he didn't come until like, like the late eighties. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they didn't really have anybody on there. Like, there's no chance you're getting Don Owen. Yeah, I mean, Butch could have. I mean, Dutch could have been on there. Dutch was in Portland, in, in Portland for a little while. Dude, everybody came through Portland when Portland was good. 
You know, I mean, right. just imagine the fact that I'm going to tell you that Buddy Rose versus Dynamite Kid was fantastic. You know, and you'd be like, where the fuck was that good at? Portland. <laughs> you know, it was good. And, and, and Billy Jack, Billy Jack Haynes, like pretty much uh, beating up um, Don Owens. Like that was like, that was um, like, it was one of them things. It was an angle that like Billy was, Billy Jack was like turning heel on the people because when he, it was a great angle when he was broke, the, he, he claimed the people of Portland turned on him. Then they didn't support him. They didn't do anything for him and all. And then he tried to come back to wrestling for another run. And then Don Owens, who was like 82 years old out there trying to put him over. And then Billy Jack gets all offended by him. And then Billy Jack puts him in like the full Nelson. You can't do you, you know, you can't even like finger, you can't even thumb wrestle Don Owens without him getting hurt. You can't put him <laughs> in the full Nelson. <laughs> I mean, like, the man will turn him to dust. <laughs> Chad almost said you can't even around and stuff. Chad almost said you can't even finger Don Owens. <laughs> yeah, uh Portland was Portland was pretty good, man. I mean, uh, um yeah, I recommend it, it's it's a great laugh if you just have some friends over on a Friday night, Saturday night, and you throw on some like 1991, 92, whatever Portland, it you'll laugh. It's pretty bad. Did you see the, Did you see the Florida episode? Right, I see. I've seen everything. I love the story on the Florida episode that Kern tells about uh, about Eddie Graham drunkenly flying the plane into the fireworks display at Disney World. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> that sounds like something that only happened in wrestling. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. There's not a Girl Scout troop out there telling stories on a podcast like this about how they're drunken den mother. You know, flew a helicopter or whatever airplane into a, a firecracker display kind of thing. That's like, only in wrestling can you get away with that shit. Like the the mad the, the mad dog Vashon story where he tries to open the fucking hatch on the airplane. He's like, "Today's a good day to die." And he's like, "Try to fucking open the goddamn thing." Dude, can you almost just not believe that? I mean, I could go. That didn't happen. There's just fucking no way that happened. You know what I mean? Like, I can just sit there and say, there's just no way that this happened. But we're talking, what was this, 1980? You know? What was the FAA? You know, was, was Steve Richards in it? The FAA? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Serena Deed? <laughs> I mean, they haven't they haven't figured out their um their 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 authority yet. So yeah, when I hear a story like somebody opening up a plane door like on mid flight, you just gotta go. There's just no way this happens, <laughs> you know. But you know, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I guess if, if he said it, nobody's disputing it. Maybe Mad Dog with Sean really did do it. Pro, and pro wrestlers are a unique breed of cat. Well, those pro wrestlers. And you know, like you said, this is it's probably before really, really tight air, airline security and shit. And just like you know, just like back in the seventies and early eighties, and you hear about Harley, Harley Race just driving at one hundred and twenty miles an hour, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette. He never get pulled over, or if he did, they let him go because he was Harley Race. You yeah, know, but that's never... driving a car, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette. Almost all three singular, singularly, whatever how you say it, aren't illegal. You put them together, only two of them are illegal. So he, we're talking about a guy who's 30,000 feet above air. 
you know, hey, I'm just gonna like it's not a sunroof, Mad Dog with Sean. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna get a little. Hey, it's gonna you know because back I, I guess you could still smoke on the airplane back then. And he's probably yelling at who's smoking. I'm gonna get some air in here. <laughs> it's not you're not cracking the little window thing in there. You're opening an airplane door at thirty thousand feet. Yeah, this isn't a T-bird, goddammit. Well, two, oh. three, three days before this episode of ECW aired, um, Thomas Edward Gilbert Jr., who we know as Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, passed away February 18th, 1995. And I know, Chad, you, you have talked a lot about Eddie um, being kind of a mentor to you and things. And I was just wondering, you know, reflecting back on the fact that he passed away as we're talking about this episode of ECW, any really good Eddie stories you got for us? Um, well, I was I could never I could never get a good Eddie story because I was uh, most of my Eddie stories I wasn't uh, like officially in the business. <laughs> it was always okay. fandom stories. So every time I caught him, every time I caught him, which was usually like well well after a show, uh, well. In the early days, that like, you called them when you like, when everybody caught the guys like that, you know, when right. they're just kind of like daytime kind of thing. But getting into the early '90s, when I was big, started working and getting interested, and he was kind of like the guy that I that I liked that I hung around, and we just happened to just be at the same shows all the time, all the same shows. Event Corluzo's name on it, you know, we were there, and we would just run into each other all the time, and I would always be, I'd always be like the number one guy putting over Eddie and stuff, and and if he didn't bring, if he didn't bring Freddie Gillum with him, he didn't have anybody to sell his merchandise. So um, there, there was, I don't even know what town it was. It was somewhere for Carluzzo. He just grabbed me and was like, "Hey, can you do me a favor?" I'm like, "What's that, buddy? Can you just sit here?" All right, sit here and do what? He goes, "Collect twenty dollar bills." All right, sure. Simple, simple job. <laughs> simple job description. Like everything on the table was twenty dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was basically how much is the picture? Twenty dollars. T-shirt, twenty bucks. Uh, what size you get? Medium? No, where large. Never mind. You get a medium tonight. Twenty bucks. And then at the end of the night, I just hand Eddie like a stack of twenty dollars. You know, a twenty dollars stack of you know thing, whatever. And he'd peel off a little something, and then very few times I was ever allowed to go to like um, shit. What's the place that they all go to? Waffle House. Mm. And I'm not even sure the Waffle House was the place we went to up here in, in New Jersey. It was that was that Shoney's or it was it wasn't Waffle House. I don't think up here up this far. And and I was just always like I, I would he, he didn't believe my age how old I was because we were only we're only a couple years of age apart. Like we we're, like when I looked at how old he was like and shit. I'm like, dude, we're not even that fucking old. Like you know, like I'm looking at him like he's been in the business like 15 years longer than me or whatever. Well, he said you know? he was what? But, um, sorry, sorry. He said he was what? 35. Uh, he, he was 30. Was, he was 33 when he died. And I mean, he started wrestling in 77. So, um, but that would have made him uh, 33. That would have made him born in like 61 or 62, and he starts wrestling in 77. I think. No, I think he, he was born in like 60. He was born like in like '66 or something. Like he, he started he started working and he didn't really start in the early '70s. He was he was traveling with his father in the early '70s. Mm -hmm. He didn't even get that Memphis thing until he was like 15, 16, and that was like '76, '77 with the um, Tommy Rich with the uh, Fabulous Ones gimmick. With no, I mean with the the Tupelo Concession Stand brawl, right? 
because that wasn't even the, that wasn't even the original one, correct? Wasn't the no, original uh, one no. with the one with Lawler? Yes, Lawler right? and Honky and yeah, and Tojo. Please tell me Tojo was there. He's my personal favorite. Like you can just insert Tojo Yamamoto into anything, and oh, well, those, Natalie became well, those, Tojo's one of those guys that was always old. Like I've never seen of young Tojo he Yamamoto. He's always old. No, <laughs> no, there's no, there's no, no young Tojo. That old one died. But, no, but he, yeah, the, he was only in his fifties. <laughs> yeah, that original, that original um, um, concession state concession brawl was what. What, what Larry Latham? Yeah, that's the one that gave Onita the thought about doing hardcore wrestling and shit. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I heard that story too. Um, I I kind of believe it, but it also sounds like that guy fucking had that in his back pocket for thirty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like thirty years ago, I did this deal. What'd you do? You know? And he's like, oh, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna do it on a much. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to argue with it and say that it, that it didn't happen, but it also sounds to me like, yeah, he's just taking something that just happened to happen and then just go like, well, oh, since I just happened to be in what you consider the first one, the first garbage match, I'll just take credit for all the rest of the garbage match. Just what to get I the time, <laughs> just to get the just to get the time frame right. But they I, never I had. They, they never. They, they, they never brought in the concession stands in FMW, though, did they? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm they, just saying that's if they what did, I'm they would have they would have blown saying. up the concession stand. What I've what I've heard is that Onita said that that was the first time that he saw like hardcore wreck. What made him think about? But it, it was not hardcore. It was terrible. The guy squeezed the mustard at him. He grabbed he grabbed that yellow container that has the mustard. He put on a pretzel and he squeezed it at him. You know, and then he threw a mop at him. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like he put the guy's hand, his his uh head, his foot, his anything in the oven. You know what I mean? And like close the door when it was on like five hundred fifty degrees or anything, or or put it in like the fryer basket. I was you know, gonna to say put his, put his face. put his face down on the hot dog rollers. No, he didn't do any of that. <laughs> he, he he squirted them with mayonnaise and mustard. And then they, they slipped around on lettuce. Well, just, That's just to best. put, I, to, just to get the time for Eddie Gilbert right, I, I brought up his Wikipedia here. You brought up the time in Memphis, so that happened and starting in '84 was when he was doing the Fargo's Fabulous Ones thing with Tommy Rich. So, because um, he had that little couple year run in the WWF, where at one point he was Bob Backlund's protege, um, or they were trying to build him. Just he essentially was the young baby face to, that Bob Backlund's heel opponent could beat up. So Bob Beckham could get revenge on him. But um, so, I mean, he was very close to he was he was very close to the top of the business, just even at his youngest, you know, just he was always he was always up there at the top, but never <laughs> the top. Well, he got lucky with the um, I'm sorry, Aaron, did you have something to say? No, go ahead. Uh, oh, no. I mean, he, he got lucky when it came to that that push because like all that stuff was like right, right when the accident happened. Like he was going to be, um, he was going to be Bob Backlund's, um, you know, protege kind of thing, and and I I don't know, I don't know what that really necessarily meant because at this point, Backlund's push was starting to diminish. He he was nowhere near as over in the Northeast as he was the previous year and a half, two years before that, not not even close. 
I mean, you were starting to see like when he would go to the main events at Boston, Garden, um, Baltimore, Philly, and if he was wrestling Snooker, uh, uh, Snooker was getting cheered. You could start seeing that. So they thought that if we brought in this young guy and it was like Eddie and um, I, I you know I don't know I, I wonder if, I wonder if Eddie was being sent was was sent up here like to learn how to book you know like I wonder right. if that was a little bit I wonder if that was a little bit of the reason why he was sent here because there's no way that his father Jackie Fargo Jerry Lawler Elvis Presley I don't fucking know who name who it was called Vince and said this guy's gonna be your future big star here. You know, I, I'm not, I, I'm not buying that and neither should you be selling it. But, um, I wonder if he was actually sent up here for a, a different reason. Right? We, all, we all know that that's what eventually what, what in, in, in my world, Eddie Gilbert went on to become, um, like I, I sure I remember him for his work, but I'll remember him way longer for his booking. But also, um, and this, this might be out of left field, but. You guys know like how they did the um um Zabisco uh Bruno Samuel thing where um Zabisco turned on Bruno or whatever. Like Chad said the accident happened or whatever. Imagine like maybe it was a thing where they thought, Oh, we'll get Gilbert being backland like protege or whatever and eventually he ends up turning on him and then you get full heel eddie gilbert in the wwf that would have been some good shit well the, yeah i mean you could you could see how they were kind of they i mean they they could have planted that seed with the with the with uh the match superstar anyway because like, if if like, um he'll he'll gilbert um, sorry i'm just saying like he'll no, gilbert he'll gilbert would have been piper before piper you know what i mean in the WWE, in the WWE, not then. At down, yeah, he would have been if Gilbert would have known later what he what he didn't know then. If he would have known like two years like later, you know what I mean? Because he was still green, and there he was a very very small fish in a big pond at that time at the time frame. And we're even talking about what 1982. Yeah, eighty well, eighty two to eighty four, I think, is when he was there. But do you guys yeah, want to, I mean that's, like, a, that's you know, a, like him turning hurt like him turning against Backlund or whatever, that would have been some good shit. And and you you could how they already started doing it. You know, if Backlund's gonna be training this just hand bone and teaching him all kinds of stuff, and then you know, I could just think of a, a, a off the top of my head, wherever they're out training somewhere. And when Backlund goes to meet Gilbert, and when he goes to meet Gilbert, all of a sudden he looks off into the sunset and he sees a man superstar driving off. You know what I mean? Like, and like, what's going on? Nothing, you know. <laughs> and the man superstar, the man superstar is over there. He's putting on some some uh, some some country music, and he's giving the practice in the swing and neck breaker. <laughs> They're just he's, he's, he's teaching. They got on some like cane in, in a barn, and the man superstars just keep. Swinging neckbreaker and Eddie Gilbert until he gets it right. I can just like it's like a dosy dough, and then like all of a sudden after like two hours of him swinging neckbreaker and Eddie Gilbert, he goes in his car and Backlund pulls up like he's going to teach him how to do that little head thing where he puts his hand on the mat and he moves his neck up, and Gilbert's trying not to tell him, "I just did twenty two thousand neckbreakers with a mass superstar. I can't, I can't be doing your little oozy neck thing." 
<laughs> yeah, I he can totally a- see how that could have been a great gimmick. And then have just have, you know, Bob Backlund's doing that little one wheel gimmick. Yeah, that little that little handicap unicycle exercise machine that he's yeah. got there. Yeah. <laughs> if Gilbert didn't turn on him and beat him with the handy boy unicycle machine thing. <laughs> I can totally see that. And then but I mean, but what Backlund was getting ready to leave anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? I think and coming after that, um, I think that they a team a team that doesn't get talked about enough that I think was was underrated because I think they were a good like Gilbert and Henning. Well, I was going to say Gilbert and Terry Taylor when they were together in Mid South. Um, oh, the the original original <laughs> weren't weren't they the fantastic ones or were they the fat? They were the uh, fantastic ones, weren't they? I don't remember what they called themselves. Honestly, I can't remember. Well, they were ripoffs to the fans. Yeah, and that they that was that was my favorite Taylor <laughs> ever was when he was teaming with. They were, I thought they were that really, was really Gunkel. Good together. Oh yeah, that was that was Ann Gunkel, right? I don't know. I, I what I, I saw mean, of if, them, I thought I mean, they if, were in. If, they were with Watts. What I've seen. No, if you're were, if you're not if you're not if you're not telling me, then uh, then I'll I'll tell you because I thought <laughs> I thought you knew a little more than I do. But no, that was for Ann Gunkel. Um, when Ann Gunkel broke away. And she ran her, uh, her, what I always call her NWO Georgia, or NWO Georgia <laughs> shows, and and she had Gilbert and Taylor on there, and yeah, they they did a complete ripoff of the fabulous. I mean, even down to the photo shoots, you know, like mm-hmm. when they, you know, they were in the same clothes. They, they maybe even got the same women who were like ten years older at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's awesome. I have to I have to look at that because I've never seen that. I just I just know what I've seen of them as a team was in with Watts and like the the dying days of the UWF right before uh, uh, W or the NW or I'm sorry right before Crockett bought the U- and, and well, you're you're talking about Gilbert and who Gilbert and Taylor Terry Taylor. Oh, oh well, I mean, well, yeah, because I mean, no, I'm thinking about as, like as a, as a team team team. They oh, they okay. were together as in. And and Bill Watts more as a what like, like a makeshift because we're we're in a faction. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah. So yeah. You, you you just saw more of them when they were just thrown together and put together because they right. were in the same faction. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, Gilbert was in. Oh, Gilbert with the fabulous ones where he te- where, where he turned on Tommy Rich. Did you ever see that? I have seen that stuff. Yeah, Dude, that's unbelievable. Then he then he then he comes back out and apologizes, <laughs> like all that shit. Like, like you, you, you know, you're 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 wasting what I don't know, forty five minutes of your TV time for this angle. First off, you got to get this boob out here, who's the WFIA guy. Who was that? Melter? It was that was a work, right? That guy was a stooge. He was somebody in the business. Like he really, if he if he wasn't the guy from the WFIA, he was somebody smart. Like, yes, because I know, it, I know he was, was, I know he was, I can't remember who he is though, but because he was on Pete Letterberg, was it? Maybe because he was on the mothership one on the six hundred five one. Time <laughs> anyway, about I know if you're talking about that where they were going to award him like the tag team of the year or whatever. I think that was Pete Letter. Pete Letterberg. I don't know who Pete Letterberg is. You're making it sound like he's somebody I should be known about. Well, what then of Pete course, Letterberg Chad- do. Chad has what's Pete Letterberg? Who'd Pete Letterberg ever beat? Um, of course, what Chad uh, talks about a lot is the short stint that Eddie was the booker in the in Continental, um, along with Paul Heyman being his assistant booker. 
and um, rejuvenating a territory for what less than a year? Uh, no, it was probably about eighteen months total. But you got you guys okay. take you guys take in consideration the building months, right? <laughs> there's there's the months that Gilbert was there. Um, if you want to know what Eddie Gilbert's first, if you want to know when Eddie Gilbert took over Continental. And you and you're not a dates guy, and you're not very big on like that kind of stuff. Go back and look look at the. It says I think it says the first Continental show. It's the one where Dirty White Boy and Tom Pritchard destroy the set of the Continental. That's the first episode. Because Gilbert always said that when when he, they realized they were going back, they were going to a new set. That they didn't know where they were going to do with the old set, so he just decided to go ahead and trash it. Like they were just gonna like, and why not? That's an good television. And they did. They did. The, they did the whole deal. Like they they broke all the shit on TV, and that's like like officially is what they consider Eddie's first um first bookings on TV. And if you if you've never seen some of his bookings, man, some of his angles, because you got to remember Continental from in, in like eighty eighty six, it, it had really started to take a hit. Really, I mean, 85, I love Continental, but you started seeing it, you started seeing it like when they're, they're teasing and bringing in future great superstars as Ranger Ross. So, uh, okay. is that, <laughs> and, and, and maybe my time is off, but is that during the time where they turned Adrian Street babyface? Because I always thought that was I got, I got, I, I got to be honest, Nate, I, I would, I turned off Adrian Street. I could I could tell you two fucking things about Adrian Street that, that I've seen because to me that wasn't change the channel heat that was just I'm done watching wrestling heat <laughs> put on anything else anything else besides Adrian Street because that fucking guy it just I I don't get it never did never will it's, it's like dumb it. dyke bitch out there fucking what's her name <laughs> Brenda fucking Miss Linda get her fuck get her to fuck, yeah whatever the fuck her name is get her out of here. Seriously, <laughs> Miss Linda, shut the fuck I like, up. Man. I like those little videos. I liked him. What? Imagine what I could do to you. Yeah, street Asian rap street video. What's that? Like street rap and all that shit. I liked it. Asian street. Yeah, I liked his, all his videos. All right, enough. Fun. I'm out of here. Goodbye. This fucking guy's telling you. This guy's. You're you're wasting my time tonight on a Monday night telling me how much you appreciate Adrian Street. Come on. Yeah. I like him. Oh, let, me, let me guess. You're also the president of the Skip Young fan club? No. I like <laughs> you're, you're, you're sweet, sweet brown Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, well, we've already... <laughs> obviously, on the show, we've already discussed Eddie's uh, ECW career because we reviewed um, the time that he was there. Um, is there any truth to the rumor, Chad? Do you know? Um, or maybe Aaron, you know, I don't know. Um, but I don't know for sure. But is there truth to the rumor that before he passed, the WWF was thinking about bringing him in and putting him on career? Unofficially, in, in my in my world, yeah, that that was uh that was he was about um I was gonna say he was about three three to six months away from getting the job because I think I think the whole I think the whole thing was based on. His next move was he was going to Puerto Rico, which he went to Puerto Rico. And he had a history of turning Puerto Rico around. And 
when you know, you know, how, you know it's, it's pretty pathetic how Puerto Rico is. Like they only the business is only good when they find out who the booker is. It's right. not like what, <laughs> it's not like the angles they do. It's like they make a big deal and just go like, all right, well, we just fed you shit angles for the three months because Hercules Ayala is the booker. But don't you worry, coming next week, Eddie Gilbert's the booker. You know, it's like it's, it's like gonna coming, turn around, yeah. It's and, like coming and, through to a raw. And if it is true, imagine how great it would have been because at that time, um, um, Levy was there and he was doing he he was writing and and Dutch was there and he was writing. Levy wasn't there anymore. Who Scotty? No, Raven, because Raven's in ECW at this point already. So he wasn't. Oh yeah, Scotty's. Well, they, Scotty's done. Scotty's I thought you said. Gone. I thought you said ninety-three. Sorry. No, 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 ninety-five. Before he died, I always heard like he they were okay. talking to him about coming in. Well, and well, then he well Dutch, Dutch was there. Yes, Dutch was there. Jim Ross was there, and then he put Eddie in there. It's yeah. like Jesus Christ! Imagine yeah, that. Even Cornette, on. Cornette was there. Yeah, imagine that four-man booking crew: fucking Jim Ross, Dutch. Eddie and Jim and Jim Ross or whatever. That if you weren't if you weren't one of them Southern wrestling fans, that that was the only time in American wrestling history where you were going to be like outvoted in a, in a Booker's meeting, like in big time wrestling. You know what I mean? He said you got Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, you got Eddie Gilbert. You know what I mean? Like, do you, do you think Chad, knowing um, just knowing Eddie Gilbert? Do you think that within the WWF environment? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I was gonna say, would he would he have had the same fate as Bill Watts? Would they have brought him in, and within a month and a half, oh. two months, Vince McMahon would have been like, no? Because remember, Vince brought Bill Watts in in late '95 to be the booker for WWF, and within like a couple of months, they were like, this ain't work. Vincent Vincent Watts butted heads too much, and. I wonder if Eddie, if it would have been the same thing with Eddie. Because you can't fucking, you can't fix, you can't fix broke in a month. You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that right. way. If if the last thing these viewers have seen for weeks and weeks and weeks on TV is Corsito Korchenko, it's going to take you fucking weeks and weeks and weeks and months to get that taste out of their mouth or Taurus Balba. You, you know, or you know, it's going to take months to get this taste out of their mouth. So, in the yeah, in know, the case of the WWF, Mantar, Doctor Isaac Yankum, DDS, you know, you have to move on from these. Well, yeah, I mean, and look at how long all they lasted. It, it, you know, I think it, I think it was a kind of thing because it lasted longer than it should have. I, I, I guarantee that. I guarantee you, if you look back at the whole run of things, it guarantee it lasted longer than Vince Man would have had it run. There's no chance Vince would have the, had a, it. There is an episode of Monday Night Raw. It is in it's either September or October of 1995. And if you watch that episode, you can tell that that is that is the one. I guess I mean obviously it was from a taping, but you can tell that was the one taping where Vince actually let Watts have the creative because the heels destroy the baby faces they have like a six-man tag or something and i know the character the cast is is kind of weird but you have like no, look, it doesn't matter it's booking you, you have you have mabel yokozuna and i forget who else Sh uh, dean douglas shane douglas and they lay waste to Shawn michaels diesel and the undertaker and you watch that show and you're like vince mcmahon didn't write this because with vince mcmahon the baby faces, you know, they, they show weakness, but they never 
Is that the one where fucking Mabel they and cr- Yeah, they, they cr- yeah, they Undertaker's crush face. Undertaker's face. Yeah. And it's like Bill Watts definitely booked that. Vince McMahon did not book that because the heels looked way Yeah, because I mean, look at how how where um the environment that Bill Watts comes from. You you book your heat for TV. You mm-hmm. book your revenge for the house shows. Exactly. You make them pay to see it. I mean, it's it's we're we're not like you know we're not reinventing a wheel or anything here. It's uh doesn't that sound like anything you've ever heard before? We're gonna beat up John Cena on, on TV because we have a big gigantic in your house coming up. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna have um we're gonna have Damian Demento leave John Cena laying, you know, <laughs> Damian <John>. Demento. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, of course. That's the fucking. I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gonna have Damian, John Cena. You're gonna have John da- Cena have Damian Demento lay, laying. Da- Damian Demento's. Damian Demento's so crazy. He's the only wrestler who can see John. Yes, I mean, or he might yeah. be able to. <laughs> like, if if he's booked in that main, in the main event that I just I just super booked, whatever. Yeah, can you see him? I don't know. Are you, you putting the pencil next to my name, saying I can see him in the ring? Yeah, you can see him. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck. Well, all right. <laughs> we can Are get we at least ten. Talking about fucking ECW. <laughs> I was about to say we can get ten minutes out of this episode we of ECW. Forty-five minutes about nothing about ECW. No, it ties to ECW. Eddie was there. No, Buck Robley. <laughs> They like Aaron said and Chad said at the beginning of the show. They, they oh, well, I mean, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about ECW, they they literally have twenty nine minutes of Shane Douglas cutting a promo, uh, talking about his history. ECW talking about his history. Tell you, of course, he talks about Ric Flair. He talks about everything that happened with Terry Funk. Um, I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to say that anything Shane Douglas did here was bad. No, it was good. It, it, was, it was a good part. And I got, like, a lot of notes on it because there wasn't anything else to take notes on in the show. <laughs> it um, was his dumb face. It was just his dumb face, yeah. Um, he tried to say that, um, and I understand what he's going with. He was trying to say that he was, like, the athlete of the day and the athletes previously weren't as good as the athletes now, but he tried to say, he tried to say Mike Tyson was a better athlete than Muhammad Ali. Now that's not true. Like Muhammad Ali was a much better athlete than fucking Mike Tyson. I think I was a better athlete than Muhammad. I don't, I don't want to hear that. How do you know how great of an athlete Muhammad Ali was? Tyson was just a guy that, and and I'm not knocking Mike Tyson, but Tyson was just a guy that could just slug you. But fucking Muhammad Ali was a fucking way better athlete than. Meaning what? He could run, jump, throw, spit. What? Like how? He could last longer. I he could. Fucking... <laughs> this is my opinion. Well, that why well, you know yeah. you gotta have some sort of you gotta have some sort of history behind it. Wait, was he a better dart thrower? I don't know what. You could, um. I mean, because I can't, I can't say that. You know, I don't know what the hell he can, he can move. He can, he can move better than Tyson. Tyson didn't have to move around. Tyson just had to fucking punch you in the jaw and you'd go down. Fucking Ali had to be able to move around, float around, do all this shit. In my opinion, I didn't agree with that statement. It's a stupid. It's a, it's a stupid thing to write down. But just in my opinion, all of it, I'm like, eh. Oh, but it's a I'd great. Be- but it's a great argument. It's a great argument to get people talking about. 
get out of here. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah, and you know? again, like I, I, kind of what 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 Douglas is alluding to, like what Aaron's saying is. He's he's just essentially discussing about the lineage of wrestling. Like, you know, Bruno had to pass the torch to people like Flair and Steamboat. And now he says Steamboat and Flair have to pass the torch to people like him. So essentially what Douglas is saying is he's the next big main event star in professional wrestling, the next great professional wrestler. It never panned out for Shane. That's too bad. He was good <laughs> at, at a time. But um I think I think his biggest problem always was I think times obviously in the wwf it was politics everywhere he went he dealt he did deal with politics i gotta say i i look back on his career now and i can see why he was a little bit you know back then i was like oh, what a fuck what, what a fucking whiner back then i used to think that what a whiner but i look back on it now isn't it shocking that when you hear about these guys that go to multiple different companies like i mean look at punk for instance they go to all these different companies and then they end up having a problem with the company but yet the company's been around for 15, 20 years, 30, 40 years, and not many other people have had problems in that right. time. But <laughs> you, you, you're here for 10 months. At a certain point, when you're trying when you're trying to find the smell, yeah, it might right be if if the smell is everywhere, it might be your upper lip. I'm just yeah, it's like it's like um Shane's like Taylor Swift. It's like you listen to Taylor Taylor Swift song. She's bitching about some fucking dude that did her wrong. It's like, hey, Taylor Swift, it's like the same consistent thing in every one of your fucking songs is. You. you. Shane Douglas is Taylor Swift. Yeah, right? Stop <laughs> being a fucking uh, yeah, Shane Douglas, he, he didn't. Could you imagine how worse Shane Douglas would be if there would have been, like, the internet then? Like, he would have been CM Punk, right? He would have totally been what CM Punk is. Yeah out there just constantly bitching about everything and you know and he would still do the dumb thing where he would try to go to like the to a monday night raw and and take a stupid camera photo of him trying to crash it but literally like somebody else gets footage of him paying for an eight hour ticket <laughs> and getting a hot dog Aaron, did you have more notes on the uh the shane i didn't take a lot of notes on the promo to be honest with you well i kind of did um Shane Douglas talks about Terry Funk refusing to retire, um, and they show the Terry Funk Shane Douglas ballroom blitz fight they had where Terry Funk was in his socks. Um, they show Shane defeating Terry Funk in the stage. Um, then they recap um, Shane trashing the NWA championship. Which I couldn't remember if we ever talked about whether or not that was right or wrong. Did we ever talk about that? I, I don't think we dug too deep into it. No, I was there. You talking about you talking about them tra him trashing the belt gimmick? Yeah. Well, look look onto the side where you saw big fat Ian Rotten dip out of the way when they started brawling. I was right there behind big fat Ian Rotten. <laughs> well, that was in the you brawl. I'm talking about. I'm talking about when he won the tournament and threw the belt. Oh, down. okay. I don't know if we talked about that a lot. Um, Chad, like, do you think that was like a right thing to do or a wrong thing? Like, do you think it was like a shitty way to go about it? Or dude, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can ask me what I think, or you can ask me what I think is right or wrong. <laughs> what I'm saying is Paul, 
um, Paul had a vision and Paul took a gamble. You know what I mean? He, you know, he could have he could have played ball. And what was that going to get him? What was that going to get him? I was about what, to say. Are they, were, they, were, they, were they still were they still talking about where if you join the NWA, you can get votes on the champion and then you can get dates on the champion? That doesn't any benefit in ECW. That's what, what I was, I was that for. Devin I think Storm. you're kind of I think you're kind of in the same thought process that I was in Chad Aaron when you posed the question. I think that at the, by that point, um, it wasn't a it wasn't a shitty decision just because by nineteen ninety four the NWA was just I mean, honestly, it was just a glorified indie federation. So if you're trying to build your own brand, why not shit on it? I don't know. I'm just saying. I I I have a. It's great. I mean, why? I mean, I mean, what's the worst thing you're doing? You're you're piling you're piling on something that doesn't even exist anyway. So it's not like you got a fear of retribution or anything, or right. anybody's going to come back to get you. He's like, this fucking company stinks, and look at it—it it stinks to the point where it's not even running anymore. You know, and and you want me to be recognized as your champion? What's a, you know, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, enough with this nonsense. And I I totally see it, but um. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't, I just know for, from just being there that there's no way that would have lasted that NWA ECW relationship, whether or not it was with Jim Crockett, whether it was not with Jackie Crockett, whether or not it was with Davy Crockett or Betty Crockett, it wasn't going to fucking last because they had too many, there was just too many fucking um, brains, you know, booking who, who they wanted the champion to be. There was too, there was too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Too many um, chefs and not enough workers. Uh, too many co-hosts for a podcast and not enough hosts for for the podcast. Um, too many, uh, too much time down on on the podcast because I don't know where the rest of the guys went. Uh, anyway, you can check me out on my Twitter at, at Chad uh, Austin. I think it is. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never mind. My next guest is Archie Mitt. I don't know what the fuck happened there. Everything just went. I was gonna say I'm here. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, happened. I just did about seven minutes of my own show. <laughs> you fucking left. That's what happened. I just did like seven or eight minutes of my own show. I, I had a big Archie Mitchell and Betty Crocker. Yeah, he was coming up next. <laughs> Well, let's move on from this Shane Douglas. Let's move on from this Shane Douglas. Well, the evolution of they started. They started this show, and they said the evolution of the franchise, and then the 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 um, the ending of the evolution of the franchise was him cutting a promo on Ric Flair. Which, if you remember, a couple weeks ago, he said, "I'll never mention Ric Flair's name again because he won't." Dick Flair. Like, shut the fuck up, Shane. Like, stop talking about this fucking guy that doesn't even know that you're talking about him. Like, it makes it... I like Shane Douglas, and I like ECW, but this this is the thing that... Shane talking so much about Ric Flair is the thing that makes it seem Bush League. That I makes see, yeah. I see, yes, I see what you're saying. And, and like the you fact said, that he Rick Flair has Rick Flair has no idea. He's not watching ECW. He has no clue Shane Douglas is cutting promo. I, I think I may have even asked Flair about it. 
and and Flair said he had no idea. Um, I have a feeling I told that story because I know I've talked to Flair a couple times, like just in in passing, where I'm not gonna try to demand like minutes of his time. You know what I mean? Like, right. we're getting coke, we're getting coffee, we're getting donuts, and I'll just pass him by, ask my question. Well, I could have swore he didn't have a clue. Like he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't know what was going on, and you know, and and, and it's kind of hard because you look at you're looking at a guy who's been doing this for, you know, fifty years. You know, to remember every little thing, and you know, right. He, and he's still gonna sense. try to go out there and ex- explain that Jack Vernino fucking switch in Puerto Rico in '81 or whatever. You know what I mean? These remember all the know- Shane Douglas story. Yeah, I was gonna say all he remembers about that switch was all the cocaine Piper did in Puerto Rico. And then the shit that Shane's saying is yeah. doesn't make sense either because he's like, "Oh, Ric Flair handed me this business is destroyed because he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to work and he doesn't know how to do this." It's like he's a ten times better fucking worker than you, and he's, you know what I mean? Even all around, even. And I'm not even knocking Shane, but even in like. Like this promo that he's cutting in this year or whatever, he's a fucking 10 times better worker than Shane. To me, it makes the Shane Douglas character seem Bush League, Bush League soup. Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have anything to, he doesn't have anything to put up against, you know? Yeah. While you were, while, while you were main event in the garden, I was tearing up down here at the, at the Continental, uh, <laughs> at the Birmingham Fairgrounds. Like is that? I was, that, you know? I was a dynamic dude, and I'm not knocking anybody that did any of that, but I'm just saying it's like, eh, he's barking up the wrong tree. In my yeah, he goes. Don't he's talking about how, my skateboard. He's talking. He's talking about how he's uh, challenging Ric Flair, and kind of making the point here. He then discusses his next challenger, Marty. Marty Pinetti. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, if you're really gonna, if you're really gonna shoot for the stars. I mean, you know, if you if you're gonna shoot for the stars and you want what's best for your career, if you can't get the stars, you get the people that used to be with the stars. Yes, the other rocker. That's, that's... <laughs> and I like well, Marty. We, we all know how that went. I like I like Marty. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, you're, you you know, you're going from talking about how much better you are to Ric Flair than talking about how your new number one contender is Marty Genetti. So there you go. It's, it's Moon Dog Splat. <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's the equivalency of bringing in Moon Dog Splat or uh, Detroit Demolition, <laughs> Todd Morton, um, uh, Ranger Ross. Just insert any one of them guys' names, and 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 the pop you would have gotten would just the same. It's the same pop. PN News, Otto's Vance, <laughs> <laughs> and you might get three people to go. I remember him from the magazines. I never saw him, but I saw his member. I saw his name in black and white. Big cat. <laughs> Big cat. So after Shane promo, we get uh, Joey Styles running down. What was Joey Styles running down? I think Nate Frozen. The, 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 the upcoming card on Saturday with Douglas and Janetti for the championship. Cactus Jack against Sandman's mystery opponent. Um, Mikey Whipwreck and Hack versus Paul Loria and Jason. Axel Rotten versus Ian Rotten and Taz and Sabu versus Malenko and Benoit coming up on Saturday's show. And then we go into Stevie Richards versus Tommy Dreamer with Raven. Matt Classic here, guys. I hope you guys got your VCR ready. Tommy's tights were terrible. Fuck yeah, they were. (laughs) 
guy put in my nose. He looks like a fucking idiot. He's got his his mom tights on. <laughs> they were his mom's tights. His mom made them. No shit. Did you know that? I just bet they were like high waisted, like wrestling wrestling out of Yonkers, New York, wearing uh, Mama Dreamers tights. He's such a boob, dude. I, I I get I get so tired of any time. Like like, how is he still relevant? Tommy fucking dreamer. <laughs> Seriously. Yet he still does personal appearances at roller rinks and stuff. <laughs> like he's still hardcore at roller rinks and axe throwing exhibitions. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know how Tommy Dreamer pulls this off. Teflon <laughs> Tommy Dreamer. You would think this ECW thing has a shelf life, but apparently not. Not with the not at the soapbox derby. He's gonna he's gonna be the the guest referee at the soapbox derby. And he stinks. Well, Tommy Dreamer and Stevie Richards have a match, and that's all I can say here. Um, they do do some brawling to the outside. Um they bring in a frying pan, which looks like it's not even a frying pan. It's one of those egg pans to fry an egg. It's a small little <laughs> for this small little man. And, I tell uh, you, it's the fucking one you buy right there at the corner. You buy it right there at the corner store, right there on Swanson and Rittner. And it's cheap. It's held together with like like Tic Tacs or bubble gum. It's like the rivets that hold a little handle in it. It's the that's why you see it so many times on ECW. Because you can just go right out there and buy a dozen of them fucking, buy a whole box of them frying pans for like $10. And they're the, they, everything in that store was as seen on TV, but it was the generic version of the as seen on TV stuff. It wasn't even the good shit. It wasn't even the stuff that was as seen on TV. It was as seen on your neighbor's TV. Yeah, it wasn't the Ron Popeil stuff. No, it was, uh, it was, everything was worse. <laughs> no, I know. I totally know. Because I had to... I, how many times did I say I had to go down there and buy that stupid shit? Paul, give me $50 to go down there and buy, like, frying pans. And I came back with a whole new cookware set. Tea fat. <laughs> and he's like, what are, you, what are you doing? I go, well, I mean, I was trying to I was trying to buy you the best uh, cooking accessories. I thought we were... He's like, no, I was trying to get New Jack some gimmick. Oh, no, I didn't. What the hell is gimmick. he going to do with a Dutch oven? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. There's Chad Austin with an air fryer. What am I doing? I don't know. Yeah, that dreamer, dreamer to me, like I, I, I mean, I, I never, I just never got into. It. And he, he did look like a total fucking. I don't know. Good thing we don't use them kind of words on here. Fag on. Uh, <laughs> he looks. You know, I don't, I don't I hate to use them kind of words and stuff like that to describe some. Yeah, that's what he looked like. <laughs> just, and he always doesn't. Well, so he ripped his shirt off and it exposed his tits. No, that's because somebody put ten dollars underneath the shirt. He did it on purpose, and you knew he, he has was, a big ass boobs. He does, and you know he's fucking goddamn um, self conscious of it because normally, like when a wrestler gets their shirt ripped off, they don't put it back on. But he put it back on after it got ripped off. I mean, it's like, oh man, everybody's seeing. He my got boobs. the surgery. Yeah, he's so self-conscious he got the surgery. To remove his tip? The stupid raven surgery. That's how much that's how much he wants to be like Raven. He got the Raven bit tit surgery. Well, Dreamer does win this match. Essentially the, the finish. Does anybody really win this match? A little <laughs> a little <laughs> uh Stevie hits there, misses a super kick. Tommy hits him with a ball shot, rolls him up, and Tommy wins. Raven in to the ring. They have a stare down, and then Raven and uh and Richards leave. The crowd gives a nice pussy chant to Raven for leaving. And 
I, you know, we can say what we want about Tommy, but he's starting to get over. Whatever, he didn't get over me, dude. Anybody, anybody could have been Tommy Dreamer and that Hack Myers was Tommy Dreamer and better, much better. JT could have been. Oh, well, see, but see, JT's problem was see, Hack Myers was a better worker than JT. Hack Myers couldn't have been Tommy Dreamer because Hack Myers wanted to be more than Tommy. But he could have been, he definitely could have been that sympathetic Tommy Dreamer for a while. But mm-hmm. eventually, his his ego would have stepped in. JT, he was never good enough as an actual worker to be that Tommy Dreamer for the for the payoff because we'd still be looking for that payoff if it was if it was JT Smith. Like to this day, he's still getting beat up by Ray. You know what I mean? Like like we would we would have never pulled the trigger on JT Smith beating Raven. So yeah. Is there's a big difference, but I totally understand what you're saying. So pick picking them people for who was going to be Dreamer was, well, that's got to be one of the most at this time period one of the most difficult decisions around, right? Right. Uh, because I I could have told you what if I would have told you um, Bill Demont was in the was in the running for it. Would you believe me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, really, he was. But I mean, you look at them. You think they are going to go bananas over this guy getting beat up? You know what I mean? Like a left lane and a bloody mess by Steve Richards and his goofy henchmen, you know what I mean, kind of thing? Like, it had to have been somebody that had to have looked the part. And who was looking the part of Tommy Dreamer that, that all right, I'll say it, that good-looking babyface guy in that year that who really couldn't cut a promo because he still wasn't a good promo then. I got no problem saying that. He got he didn't he has no problem saying that either. But he 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 could take a beating and he got the crowd sympathy behind him. God bless that motherfucker, man. Cause he did a whole lot with fucking nothing. That's that's what I say. But yeah, who who else could have been who else could have been a good uh I mean, Eddie Gilbert obviously could have been a great dreamer, but we've already been there done that. But what Dustin Rhodes? Could you have right. seen and- Dustin Rhodes been? Being Tommy Dreamer, possibly anybody yeah. else. There isn't really anybody else because you've already, you've already, you've already positioned Mikey where Mikey's positioned. Um, uh, Foley, Foley's too too proven as a as a hardcore. You know he can be a badass and fight fight. He would he would Foley would look stupid getting laid out like that because his character doesn't work that. Um, and looking at your other baby faces, no Dreamer's the only one that fits the bill at this point. <laughs> I mean, and Hack. I mean, not Hack Myers, Sandman, but yeah, mm-hmm. you got Sandman, and he's already booked up, right? So after the after this, they they do a tribute to Eddie to Eddie Gilbert. Um, they show us the Paul Loria stuff from last week. We get a Chris Benoit promo talking about Sabu and Taz upcoming this Saturday, and then of course a counterpoint promo from Paul Lee on the said match. And then something that if I can, I'm hoping I can find it so I could send it. Cause I don't think they ever show it on TV. It's on the Mick Foley DVD. I would love Chad. Have you ever seen the match that they show the clips from here between Sandman and Foley where Sandman gets the concussion? It's a nightmare from the arena. Yeah. I think I was there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, they they showed they showed the match all chopped up obviously, 
But that match is just, if anybody ever gets a chance to watch it, watch it. Because Sandman is, it's probably, what, 90 seconds in and he's done. He's out of it. The Dude, better I video. Think, uh, I was going to say the better video. I don't even to think, like. Them showing Sandman watching the video of him not when he, he doesn't know what's going on. I don't think they even did anything about that, like medically. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they didn't. Like, did they? <laughs> I don't think so. No. I mean, I, I don't I don't even recall it even being uh, a thing coming to the locker room by anybody going like, oh, my God, I think Sam has got a concussion. You know, I don't think there was a, a big to do about it whatsoever at all, because, you know, if, if it was like it was like Matt, an episode of MASH backstage at fucking ECW. It was like little t- like little things lined up where there was guys laying up on the on the on the beds all over the place and they just keep bringing out your dead like every back after every single match so it was kind of hard to gauge like who was really beat up because there was you know you got me and donnie allen laying on separate beds you know gino send off laying on a bed all of a sudden they whisk back hack and, yeah, and this, this isn't this isn't and- this isn't a locker room it's a triage jesus christ <laughs> yeah i so who knows? But I saw that too, and it, it kind of reminded me of um, when I got my concussion with Raven, and how I saw the same look in Sandman's eyes, kind of that I had. It's mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm at. I can tell you that I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I, all I know is what I'm supposed to do next, <laughs> and that's exactly what Sandman looked like when I worked Raven, and he banged my head up on the ring apron off of Frankensteiner and he knocked me out and we we're laying there. We got to the ring and the next thing I know, I'm still calling the match and I went back and watched it on tape and I have no idea that I was even in the match. Nothing, none of it to do with it. And, and Scotty didn't even know that I was even out of it. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing when you got Sandman who's already drunk on top of it and he's concussed. And he's probably half ass going through the match, calling it to you, and you're trying to you're trying to put it together. Like, or he wants me to what throw you in the corner or what? What did he say? And it's it's probably it's it's it was probably beneficial for not only you and your situation with Ruth Raven, but for Sandman and his situation with Jack. That when you guys got concussions like that, you were in the ring with good workers. They could take care of you and weren't going if they to. knew what if they if they knew what had happened right do, do you think do you think cactus knew what had happened oh he did in this match mick keeps fucking hitting him and and sandman keeps getting up and he's keeps fucking hitting him and it's and sandman even says it in the video where he's watching it because he was out of it and he didn't remember any of it and he watches it and he goes this is the only time i've ever seen mick mad like mick is getting fucking mad because sandman keeps getting up and that last fucking chair shot he gives him or whatever that is mick just being like this motherfucker needs to stay down he's getting so he gives him so (laughs) so mick fully gives sandman a bunch of like shots to the head to where he concusses him. But at the fact that he wouldn't stay down, that he keeps getting up from getting the, or the chair shots to the head or whatever. So in order for him to keep the same man down, he has to keep hitting him in the head with the chair? <laughs> Pretty much. 
Okay. I just wanted to make sure I read this correctly. Because the first one, Foley's rationale on this, like the first two in, he he, like Sandman's out, and he and Sandman was just like my instinct is to keep getting up, and he's like watching it, and he's like watching it in like third person watching the video, and he's kind of figuring out what's going on. He's like, "Fucking Mick's pissed," because because I just keep getting up because my natural reaction is to. If I get knocked down, I get back up. Yeah, fucking mix. Classically up. trained. That's, that's the classically trained Sandman right there. <laughs> that's that's the guy who went to the you know the world famous Owen Hart whatever Stu Hart School of Wrestling or Don Owens School of Wrestling. I don't know where it was it. What school of wrestling? The Helen Keller School of Wrestling. <laughs> uh, my last note is uh, watching this match would probably make Chris Nowinski piss himself. Uh, but guys, it is time to wrap it up here on Reliving the Extreme for this week. We, uh, I guess, this week, listeners, thank you for indulging us. This wasn't much as much a show about ECW as it was about Eddie Gilbert, but that's okay because um, there should be there should be discussion of him anyway, especially with this show being a few days after he passed. Uh, any parting words for our listeners, Aaron? Nope, just thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And I read some of that. We actually have some reviews out there or whatever. So I appreciate that. And like I say, podcasts is very much a word of mouth situation. So if you like the podcast, tell your friends, tell your wives, get it. What are you, fucking Jimmy Valiant? What what is is, uh, Anson Jimmy coming to town? It's Aaron Max's Boogie Boogie Tour 2022. Oh my God! Uh, um, the whole entire, uh, whatever your platform is, all the shows, the the cooking show with Archie Mitchell, uh, <laughs> that, that's great. I mean, Thanksgiving was just a couple days ago. We had some great tortellini. Thank you, Archie, for the recipe for that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, all the shows you guys have, um, the, the show you guys do with your woman, with the one you do, Nate, with your wife or whatever. Oh yeah, the Motley Soup podcast. Yes, Molly, the Molly Cruz. You do Molly Cruz's podcast. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> what are you guys gonna have him on? But hard times. <laughs> you're doing you're doing Motley Cruz's podcast, but yet he's not even on the show. Do you know how amazing it would be to do a podcast with Cruz? <laughs> I'll get him. I'll get him. He's, you he's want him? Look I'll under find the, him. Look, look, he's under a bridge somewhere, dude. I'll find him. I'll, I, I bet you, I can find somebody in Arkansas. That uh, is Bill Ash still alive? We actually he, no. Bill Ash actually just died a couple of weeks ago. We, we interview that guy. We interview. We interview that. We interview Jumping Jeff Farmer. <laughs> yep, there you go. We interview him, and then at the end of it. We just pay that guy that interviewed him like twenty bucks. Just go, jumping Jeff Farmer. That's how we have the podcast, dude. All right, if, uh, I'll find if if it's gonna take jumping Jeff Farmer for for me to get Motley Cruz or anybody else from Five Star on there, even the commentator guy, I'll get him on there. Uh, I, I'll get I'll, whoever you want. You line them up. I'll get them. I'll find them. I'll get them. I'll tell them who I am, and I'll, I'll make it sound like I'm big because I'm I'm in a big city like Baltimore. And you're in fucking Arkansas, Bill Ash lovers. <laughs> yeah, you're all you're all down there worshiping Bill Ash and shit. And you know I'm from Bruno Country, pal. 
You want to be on my stupid podcast? You send me a list. I'll get a bunch of these Jeff Farmers. That's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen, on Reliving the Extreme. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time around. Hopefully next week's episode has some more content to review. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for indulging us. And like Aaron said, let people know if you like the podcast, if you like any of our shows, all of our shows, let them know about Reliving the Extreme, the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, and our whole family of podcasts. you say, Aaron? Yeah. Destroy. Rate and comment. Rate and comment.